0: Hey folks, and welcome to the Deconstructor of Fun podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Joseph Kim, who is the Senior Vice President of Games and Digital Platforms at NBC Universal Media. Now, J.K. and I will be talking about the power of big, giant IPs, as well as the common challenges and maybe some pitfalls that come along with working with one of those giant entertainment IPs. Now, J.K. has tremendous experience in in free-to-play games. Before Working at NBC Universal, he was a chief product officer at Sega Networks, uh, a studio lead for FunPlus, and the VP of product management at Gaia Interactive. As always, I truly enjoyed recording this podcast and talking to smart people like JK. And as always, we love hearing from you guys, so please leave a comment on, on the, the blog post or... Just tweeted us. I'm sure you'll find us on Twitter. Enjoy guys That's it. That's how we do it and then we just start rolling all right, so Joseph Kim, how are you liking Finland?
1: uh Finland's been awesome you know i the weather's been great which uh which was kind of surprising to me, but um yeah, the people are awesome. Uh, had RovioCon here, which uh-huh. was, uh, you know, in my opinion, the uh, probably the most underrated. Uh, Conference, uh, I'd, I'd I'd rather go to RovioCon than any other conference. To be honest with you. Okay, it's
0: you amazing. heard it first. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joseph Kim says he would rather go to RovioCon than any other conferences.
1: Hundred percent, hundred percent. That's
0: awesome. It was a really nice event, and it was awesome to have you here, have you here, and have you there. And you were talking about the power of IP. Yep. Because you work at NBC, and you've been you've yep. been in the game industry for quite a while. So, why don't you tell people about your background?
1: uh sure so i i first came into the well came into gaming back in like 2009 2010 just uh kind of like during the early days of 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 social Mm -hmm. um just as a hobby during you know um as a side project i launched a, um, a social game called league of heroes and um you know it was during those early days when you know, you put anything up and it became, you know, pretty fairly successful.
0: On Facebook or?
1: Uh, yeah, on Facebook and MySpace. Um, and so that kind of got me thinking that uh, I might know something about games. I've been a gamer for, you know, um, for, for my entire uh, childhood and loved games, but uh, didn't really think about it as a career. Um, I later uh, kind of synced up with a, um, a friend of mine who was who was working... At Zynga, and then we founded a, um, a company. Got some investment from like uh, Gameville and Saban Capital, and tried to do um, a mobile gaming studio. Uh, after that, um, you know, just did some uh, consulting and working with uh, some, some large Asian companies like uh, Renren and Smallgate in terms of uh, consulting. Uh, later, I uh, joined a company called FunPlus um, and uh, had the opportunity to lead game development for a game called uh, King of Avalon. Um, so did that and then went to Sega and at Sega for about two and a half years and now... I'm over at NBC Universal and this is my second month so pretty pretty new in NBC
0: That's awesome that's and you have a you have a pretty not pretty similar but in somewhat similar background than myself is like I started as well in, okay. in social games and as well I thought after my first social <laughs> baseball game that I know <laughs> something about game design yeah. just to just to experience the uh, the dark side of the game development of like failing and and, and whatnot in the in the following game but um, yeah. That's awesome. That's an and our 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 roads crossed almost at Funplus. Yep. You were there before me and I was after you. So yep. so we have both that experience at a powerful Funplus. Um but we're not here to talk about our background. <laughs> we're here to talk about what's possible with IPs. And just for the people who didn't I mean there's a lot of people who didn't see you at RovioCon. There's everybody who saw you at RovioCon but not all those who weren't there. But you had an awesome presentation about about ips and the value of ips and naturally you're working now at nbc but even before that working at sega you worked with some amazing gaming ips and now you're working with true entertainment ips so so this is like what what every game studio asks and at some point is like what is i mean what is possible with a big ip we think about installs we think about uh, you know, the 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 kind of like a ready made story that we can put into a game and make it fun. Yeah. But from your perspective, now that you're the one handling out the IPs, what is possible?
1: Uh well I I, I think what's possible is, you know, to your point, um I, I think one of the primary motivations is just getting that um large awareness for your game mm-hmm. and, and getting getting installed. So I, I think that's certainly true. I, I think from uh, one of the things that's been surprising to me having joined NBC is just the amount of like offline marketing capabilities um, possible. And so like when you just taking kind of a, um, a current example, we've got um, you know, a, a, a co-development partnership with Ludia mm-hmm. for this game called Jurassic World Alive. And I, you know, I, I was very shocked and, and, you know, pleasantly surprised by the amount of, um, you know, marketing partnerships that have been uh, put into place. So, you know, a few things like, um, first of all, is like a partnership with, with Walmart mm-hmm. having a lot of in-store signage and like, you know, um, enhanced supply drops at, um, you know, the 2,500 um, Walmart stores in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, in addition, you know, AMC, the, you know, the big theater mm-hmm, chain, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. being able to get like a 10-second um, trailer after the Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom trailer shows up. And having, like, you know, handouts and things of that nature at the theaters. And, and finally, like, universal parks. Like, um, you know, being able to uh, have enhanced supply drops at the parks and um, just, you know, having a, a lot of call-outs in, in the uh, universal app as well.
0: Yeah, and in, in, in overall, like, like the way from, from game development side, when you think about the IP, um, it's, it's just different. Like, let's say I'm, I'm making a, an AR or location-based game with dinosaurs. Yeah. It doesn't sound that much fun, <laughs> unless you have that. Like, I mean, it, it does sound fun, but it's so hard to come up with that unique style and how you can get yeah. people interested in them. Yeah. It's like, would you be interested in playing this dinosaur game with, with location-based? You kind of walk around and find, like, different type of dinosaurs, and I'll look through the history of biology books and find different dinosaurs. Like, Or how about you play Jurassic World, right. which you just saw in the movie theater. It's a huge blockbuster. And as you said, you have all these channels. But what I'm really curious about is... is um, do you track anyway these these um these other marketing channels like 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 how does that work?
1: Uh, so on on the offline side, I personally don't track. Mm-hmm. I I do think that um some some folks on our team are trying to track that. I think it's difficult to yeah, track.
0: It's more like impressions and.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I know there are some things that are happening, and and uh, you know, sorry, I I don't know the exact way that we're looking at them, but you know, my feeling would be that it would not be super super accurate.
0: Yeah, 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 and that's, I mean, that that's the kind of is the uh, the power of IP. So, hmm, that oh, I came up with a question: Is there more organic when you have an IP? Because that that's the one thing that you can actually see.
1: For sure. I mean, I I, I think that uh, you know organic installs with with big IP is always there. You know, mm-hmm. um, people are searching in the app store. I, I think the the thing to be careful of though, with big IP is the is the amount of like sort of um, uh, app store crowding. Mm-hmm. So like you know if if you've got um, a, a major IP but there are like ten apps on the market. So if somebody's doing a search for Marvel, are are you? Is your app the the, the game that's gonna mm-hmm. show up in the app store or not? And yeah. so I think for some IPs that are relatively clean, like Jurassic, um you know, Jurassic World, mm-hmm. uh I, I think, you know, it's it's pretty favorable. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, you know, certainly with other IP, if if you want to get the benefit of those organic installs, you're you're certainly gonna have to beat out all those other
0: games. That's that's true. And and that's an important thing that you mentioned in, in terms of the IP holder. Uh because Okay, somebody will correct me if I'm wrong, but I'll give an example. I think Walking Dead has two different IPs, like in many TV shows. Like you have the IP for cartoon or the original book, like in, yeah. in case of Game of Thrones. Yeah. And then you have the IP that is owned by HBO or AMC in the case of, of Walking Dead. Right. And those are two separate IP holders. So you could right. be making pretty much the same game at the same time because the other IP stroke a deal with this guy yeah. and the other IP holder stroke of this. And then a good example would be probably, I mean, Walking Dead is probably one of the best examples because right, you right. have two games that came almost at the same time. Yeah, yeah. One was the, uh, the <laughs> Scopely version of Walking Dead. It was uh, something about a road. Road to Survival. Road to Survival. And then there was the uh, the next games version, which was um, uh, No Man's Land. You know them. Right. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so yeah, and then those kind of came out at the same time. And it wasn't that the IP holder was screwing them over. It just they were working with two different IP holders at the same time without knowing of each other's actions.
1: Right, I, I, I think. I mean, I don't think that's the general case, but certainly in, in the case of The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. um, you know, because Skybound owns like the comic rights and yeah. AMC owns the television rights, you, you do have more potential for conflict and mm-hmm. more potential for that, um, you know, app store crowding, as I mentioned. Yeah. Um, in which case. You want to make sure, like the, you know, my understanding of the App Store algorithm is that it will optimize based on the age of the app and the number of installs. So mm. if if you're going to be competing there in terms of getting, you know. Um, uh, you know, high priority in in terms of like App Store search, you you definitely want to try. You might have to really force installs initially, so that you you can gain the benefits of the organic installs over time.
0: Yeah, and in in the case of uh, Transformers, the fighting game Forge yep. to fight. Yeah. When Kabam or or is it uh is it what who owns them now? Netmarble. Yeah, Netmarble. Yeah. So when when Kabam or Netmarble, whatever you want to, when they launch that game. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, there was the uh, the Transformers Build and Battle game by Space Monkey, Space, Space Ape. Space, Space Ape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just losing up. I'm like getting half of the words right. <laughs> we were like, "Do you even know who you're talking about?" <laughs> you get the point. Yeah. Space Ape, Space Monkey. Sorry, guys. Uh, anyways, okay. uh, so Space Ape was was at the same time they they boosted their traffic significantly because they were advertising their own game. So For that, sure. So. On the front page of the app store, you would see the new Transformers game, and then you go search for Transformers, and they were boosting that in the search so that your their game came first as yeah, an ad, right, right. and people kind of downloaded, and we could see in the traffic clearly that that they were going towards the uh, towards the Space Ape game. It's um yeah that's a, that's a really interesting part and a really important part when you're making a decision yeah. to work with an IP, but that's not but that's not um that's not the key part i mean that's that's something sure. to keep in mind yeah the the probably the most important part is not it's, it is what's possible but what's the value of a, of a big ip because if we look at you know top grossing charts we can arguably say that that seven or six out of them are ip-based games like if you if you if you count clash royale or as an ip or clash glance mm-hmm. then you kind of put that in but yeah
1: yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I think the value is that, one, just even having the IP is, is, is a, you know, a proxy for quality. And so, you know, when people are trying to decide between different games and you, you, you see an IP-based game, I, th- I think, you know, it increases your chance to download. Um, you know, even with Jurassic World Alive, there's also that initial interest. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, fortunately, um, just looking at Google pre-registrations over, you know, like 2.3 million pre-registrations for Jurassic World Alive, um, and you know it was you know I, it's it's been live for a couple of weeks now, but you know able to drive you know the initial interest in the brand, helping to um, to drive that game to like you know top ten free, top yeah. thirty five grossing. So uh, definitely you know the, the the power I would say just just kind of to um, summarize a little more succinctly is the power of the, the, the brand or the value of the brand would be you know um, proxy for quality, um, the awareness and interest. And then just the, um, the the marketing capabilities that you know um, the the IP holder will be able to bring to bear mm-hmm. to help promote the game.
0: So so does that happen with with like I, okay? So personally, I've worked with with two different IPs. So okay. I worked with um, with Fox Studios yep. back in the days on Angry Birds Rio, and then I've worked with DreamWorks on uh, on a on a movie IP called Crudes. Yeah. Um. How do you go about negotiating these other elements? Because of, uh, other, other like supporting structures of the marketing. Because you know, as as game developers, we kind of we kind of want everything trackable. We want this. We want that. And we we sometimes fail to ask or fail to appreciate all the other elements that come in. So how do how does that come to play? Like all those auxiliary uh, elements of marketing and and organic.
1: I mean, I, I think it, you know. Um Honestly, I, I think that's pretty situational. I, mm-hmm. I I think in the case of um you know I, the the bigger the IP the, the easier those, those those types of a- activities uh, are to secure, but you know in, in the case of Jurassic World clearly that's um, very strategic mm-hmm. for for NBC Universal and and so you know getting access to those uh, supporting capabilities is is, is easier. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I I think it's always situational as you're negotiating your deal. You know, um, whether it it's um, you know all, all the specific parts of, of of how you're structuring your your deal should should factor into um, the overall relationship.
0: Mm. Is there um, is there in in your opinion? So, um, you've worked with different type of IPs. You've yep. worked with some super long lasting like Sonic that is essentially always either stable or rising yeah, 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 and then you're working now with with some of the ips that are very fluctuating based on you know like movie ips they yeah. come and go it's yeah. not like a tv show so that's a that's a very different uh proposition for for a game company because yes. um I've, i have mainly the experience of working with movie ips yeah and what i found was really difficult is the movie comes in you have to hit that date yeah. you have to hit that date and right. with the soft launches and everything you have to be kind of early on yeah and it's almost especially with ips that are not like jurassic world where where people know because it's been what since 93 yeah uh so uh but but in in, in ips that are kind of new let's say like um something from pixar yeah it's even hard to almost soft launch that because right. the numbers are not the same yeah, it's yeah. like people don't know about it yet so you're kind of soft launching, you're kind of testing. You're not sure about your numbers, and 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 the date is coming in fast. Right. So, in short, in your opinion, like, what is the uh, what is the difference between working with these sort of a, like a big bang IPs that come and go on a, on a you know like a movie versus uh, some of these long lasting ones?
1: Well, I will say like especially for like you know when we're talking about. Uh, theatrical and feature film to mm-hmm. your point, you know, just look at Google Trends for for any of these movies and you're gonna see a huge spike and a yeah. huge fall. So um I, I think the, you know, the the challenge there is that you may have a pretty tight release window and so your time for development is, is gonna be pretty constrained, mm-hmm. which would mean that, you know, when you're thinking about um you know, the type of game you can make, you, you probably aren't going to be able to make anything super complex. Um, and, you, you know, it's probably favoring um, c- companies or games where there's an existing game engine in place. Um, and, and to your point about, like, newer IPs, um, you may be taking a risk, right? Like, yeah. um, you know, uh, like some new movie may be fantastic and it may have a huge launch and and drive a lot of awareness and interest in whatever game you make. But... Then again, it, it may not. So, so that, so for, for the for the IPs that aren't more consistent and, and have been launched over time, you, you do take a, a much bigger risk. Mm.
0: And that and that that kind of goes into into the, the some stuff that we've seen with the big IPs is like, we've seen some some games that have been failing to succeed. Like yep. Ingress is is number one. <laughs> <laughs> like the Antics first game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it's, right. it's it's. Um, yeah, not a lot of people knew about it, right? And their second game, not a lot of people would not have known about it. Right, it's like right. Pokemon Go. Just take away even features, just simplify their first game, put in Pokemon on top of it, and you have one of the biggest games ever launched in the world, right? And, and yeah, uh,
1: yeah. Sorry, and going back to your point about the value of big IP, yeah, I, I think that's that's one of the key things, right? Like we we see examples of, you know, call them failed games that are now like you know. Um, super successful uh pokemon go go being the the biggest example Mm -hmm. of that but certainly you know looking at um, kim kardashian hollywood uh, which was um stardom yeah Uh, and so glue had a game that you know um i i think the per user metrics were probably pretty Mm -hmm. good but then failed to achieve scale um and now with kim kardashian hollywood obviously that's a pretty massive hit and so um yeah, that that value of bringing awareness, bringing the organic installs, um, to your point, can take failed games and make them successful. Um, and I, I think the other thing that we've seen is uh, is is the ability to you know how do you compete for like existing categories of games, right? And so like when we, um, you know, another example there being like when we look at games like you know the all the clones that came uh, after Heroes Charge mm-hmm. and Summoners War, right? So you've got a bunch of you know, hundreds of clones of these games that have failed. Um, but then what are examples of, of the games that have been successful? It's like, you know, uh, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes and um, Marvel Strike Force. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that kind of speaks to, um, uh, you know, if, if you've got an existing category and you're trying to fast follow, probably thinking about, you know, what are the key bases of competition in, in that space? It's probably going to be around, Production value and IP, Mm -hmm. and so I would say, you know, um, you know, those two kind of situations, like taking a a failed game that might have pretty good per user metrics, and then just kind of really helping blow it out and 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 making it uh, making it possible to scale and Mm -hmm. achieve success and then competing in you know an existing category.
0: So you you mentioned metrics and I know you're you're a huge fan of of <laughs> not only metrics but you like to to look at the user acquisition and yeah, be yeah. really on the know-how of all the all the elements that goes sure, into sure, the sure. business side. So when you're making a deal together with an IP holder and this is kind of like the math that goes in yeah. when actually signing it. And that's the uh, le- the revenue share or the yep. uh, or the upfront uh, cost like how would you how would you balance it off? Like, how how do you take those into the calculation in or to make a good business case out of it?
1: Okay, well, um, I, and I guess it depends on the model. So, mm-hmm. so like, um, when you're talking about the specific, uh, type of deal you have with 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 an IP holder or publisher, I mean, there's there's kind of um, both the uh, license model, mm-hmm. um, you know, in which you're you're just trying to license the IP. So let's let's talk about that for 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 yeah. a minute. Um, you know, um, sort of license deals. Typically involve um, some minimum guarantee, which is generally um, a percentage of projected esti- uh, projected revenue over um, some time frame, like two to mm-hmm. three years. So there's like this initial upfront cost, and then a, a rev share. And you know, typically those rev shares are anywhere between, you know, fifteen to thirty-five, or even forty percent of of gross, but you know, highly highly variable. So mm-hmm. depending on the type of deal that you're striking. Um, you know, certainly there there could be a pretty big impact on the economics of your game. Having said that, you know, from a user acquisition perspective, you would expect that your user acquisition uh, costs would decrease as well, um, just because of the awareness of the brand, and so mm-hmm. like it'd be cheaper to acquire users. Um, on on a blended basis by um, using the IP as well. Yeah. So, um and probably
0: retention metrics are also slightly more favorable because you would hope so. You would, yeah. you would hope so. I mean that that's that's what I've kind of noticed from my own player behavior and, and looking right. at others like games with this with Star Wars. I'm, I mean I'm not a fan of Star Wars, but Marvel I'm fan of that. <laughs> so yeah. uh, a game that is same as the Star Wars game, like I could not care less about a Jedi yielding a goddamn lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. But give me a Spider Man and a Hulk. And suddenly I'm more interested and I'm more keen in actually learning those pretty deep game mechanics right, right, right. and actually enjoying that game right, <laughs> much right, right, more right. significantly. So I just assume that, that once you understand the audience base, you should also kind of put that into your retention profiles as well?
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, if, if we're just talking about, you know, again, the economics, I, I do think that, you know, um, again, that user acquisition costs should decrease. And, mm-hmm. and to your point, like, um, people you know, who are big fans of, of IP want to live that sort of fantasy. And, and you know, when, when the movie's gone and they want to continue that fantasy in some way, I, I do think there probably is mm. an impact in, in terms of um, uh, fulfilling these sort of user f- fantasies and, and being able to um, give them a way of, you know, um, of, of interacting with the IP that they love.
0: Yeah, but overall, like, the when working with an IP, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't just... As a game developer, you shouldn't just jump into it. Like, you have to still make all your calculations. It's not like you're getting ton of free traffic and everything's going great once you sign with IPX. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you still have to account it into your business case because now you're taking that overhead in terms of giving part of your revenue to the IP. So, you're expecting certain in return, but you should... Kind of put those already into your business case before. Right,
1: right, right. And, and you should typically also just like um you know one one of the mistakes that was um, that we saw in the industry before were like some of these uh you know um these 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 rev shares done um, before user acquisition costs mm-hmm. which um you know and it, it it's a I think it's it's pretty much proven to be the wrong way to go in the mm-hmm. sense that, um, you know, you, you generally want to do that after UA costs and other costs are, yeah. are deducted just to align the um, the IP holder and um, the the developers um, similarly.
0: Yeah, so rev share off net revenue instead of of gross. Uh,
1: after after deductions for yeah. user acquisition after and then those costs, yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly, and platform costs. Right, and all right, then. right, for sure. Yeah,
0: I I totally agree because in the end, both the IP holder. And the developer want the same thing. They want a successful game, exactly. And exactly. that's why, I d- like, just like with publishing, it does make. <laughs> I mean, the deal is all, all that, that counts because it,
1: yeah, it can make a big difference. Yeah,
0: so yeah. It, it, and, and we have to always remember that these are not products; these are services. Right, right. If the right. deal sucks for either of the parties, right. it's not going to be a successful one. So, so yeah, striking a, a right type of deal, and and that really requires you to do your homework to really model it right. properly. And communicate that model and kind of line both parties or more on that model is is crucial. It's not just For sure. they're giving you the IP, you're given it the game, and that's gonna be uh you know a, both live happily ever after. Right. You know? um, so let's talk about some of the uh, the, the kind of like um, failed to success. We talked about you know um, Kim Kardashian and we talked about Pokemon Go, but um, there's also some 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 games that were <laughs> successful and they failed with an IP, and we yeah. we see a ton of those. And you know, I'm even even with games like Kim Kardashian, yep. that were branded with others like Taylor Swift or or Katy Perry or, or right, whatnot, right. or the I mean, Glue is actually a great example of of pretty much large part of their previous portfolios that they actually went really in with the IPs, yep. and 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 that caused a lot of uh, overhead, a lot of problems, and the games failed to succeed, but um. What, in your opinions, are kind of like the major pitfalls when working with an IP?
1: Um, I, I think to be successful, you know, a couple of things I would probably call out is, is one, just making sure that um, that there's a good fit with the fiction in terms of the gameplay and with the audience, right? And so, like, if, if we're talking about, um, you know a very uh, an IP with a very casual audience making sure that you know the, the, the gameplay is right for that mm-hmm. audience so if like you know let's say you're, you're making a game for the minions you've got a lot of kids you know you want to make sure that um, you know the gameplay is appropriate for for that audience um, also from a systems perspective um, you know when you're thinking about the um, audience for your IP making sure that the systems and the monetization design are also um, a good fit. Mm. Um, you know, I, I actually think a pretty interesting example is when we look at, you know, um, a game like Fortnite, um, which, you know, uh, has a pretty hardcore audience, um, but, you know, when we think about the systems for that game, you know, um, it's not so much about, you know, the complexity of the systems, it, it's more about the type of systems, mm-hmm. right? Because that audience does not like pay-to-win systems, and so what Fortnite has done with Battle Pass. And uh, providing, um, a, a, you know, um, a monetization design that is more appropriate for that type of audience, I think they did a good job. So, um, a- again, just, you know, when working with IP, making sure that, um, that when you're thinking about, you know, the, the, the gameplay, mm-hmm. that, that it's a good fit, and then also the systems and monetization design. So,
0: when working with an IP that, let's say, um, a long-lasting existing IP, a of, of big IP… Yeah. Um, What kind of a help in terms of understanding your audience should the developer be looking for?
1: Um, Well, I think, one, just all the data that um, the IP owner has with respect to, like, the Mm -hmm. demographics and interest profile. Um, But I also think that um, increasingly we're seeing a lot of um, IP holders help from a consumer insights perspective. And so just like, um, and, and, you know, you, you, you used to not see it about two to three years ago, uh, but today you're seeing a lot of um, testing, right? And so like um, with a specific IP, um, the type of gameplay, the type of art style, like testing that using like Facebook ads and, or surveys and things of that nature, just trying to, before you even start, you know, production or even, mm-hmm. pre, you know, uh, significant pre-production with, with a project, trying to understand whether there is a good match. And I I I do think that that's that's a mistake that um, that um, we've seen uh, in the past, but uh, I I do think that like this current best practice around testing a lot of that stuff is probably gonna help to have fewer mistakes in the future.
0: Yeah, and that's uh, yeah. yeah, that's awesome, because oftentimes when we're making a game, and let's say you're working in a smaller studio rather than a big one, yeah, yeah. and you don't have the resources to understand your audience, right. that is actually hindering you a lot, because you end yeah. up making a game for yourself. Right, right, and you're right. You're like, we're going to make a cool game. It's going to be a fun game. We love yeah. playing it internally. Yeah. That's great, but you're a game developer <laughs> with 25 years of experience in playing yeah. games. That's right, not exactly right, right. the mass market. So understanding the audience, that's that's something that the big publishers do, But but that's... I personally think that's a big plus when working with an IP. It's like you're actually making the game for these type of profiles who are already engaging with this brand. Right. So um, let's talk about production, Okay. Uh, game production. And then here's um, – this is this is probably one of the most important elements of, 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 of working with an IP because it does set you on a specific date. Not always. I mean, if you're working with Game of Thrones – I mean, Game of Thrones is probably true, but, but – um, Middle Earth IP. That's kind of you know they yeah. sent shipped the book like thirty years ago, so yeah, yeah. it's like you're not in a hurry. Yeah, yeah. Um. But um, in in the cases where the the production becomes um. Let me refer it this way. So. You are working with a with an IP, and the, the the things that I see are really helpful. Is that you have the IP, you can build a story around that. You don't have to come up with your own sort of rules of the game. Yeah, they are they're already written, and you already know what you're building right. in that sense. Yep. Uh, but the difficult part is is that even though you know what you're doing, now you're not alone doing it. So you have to go about and and get your elements approved with an IP. And yes. I have personal experience with that, and it can be really tough. Especially if you have a date, especially if you're working with a movie IP, right. when you're just trying to get stuff done and it gets um, slowed down by the uh, the approval process. So, what what should a developer keep in mind, in your opinion, when running a production for a big IP? I,
1: I mean, I think you just brought up the the biggest issue, which is you know brand approval, and so like. Um you know, I, and and I do see this quite often, where um, the planning around IP approvals is not sufficient, which mm-hmm. usually leads to like wasted time and, and energy, uh, and and basically like, you know, when you're creating a character, and you know whether it's uh, there, there's gonna be some time, um, and you know it, it can range from from days or like even seven to twenty one days to like get let's say you're 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 um, trying to create a you know, character asset. Mm-hmm. Um, but just getting the approvals around that asset and feedback from the IP owner could take a long time. And so, Can uh, I ask,
0: ahead? like, in a, in a bit, like, most of these games are now, I mean, most of our games are yeah. 3D. I don't know if, if you have personal experience of this, but when getting an approval for a character asset, let's say I'm I'm leading Strike Force, yeah. uh, and I have Marvel characters. When yeah. I get an approval, do I send a sketch, or a concept, of a, a rigged animated character with, with already textured and everything with VFXs or, or like what what is the element that is getting the approval? Is it the final work or is it the, the so work? I going?
1: I've actually seen it in different different phases. Uh-huh. And, and like, you know, um, the, the tricky part is that there doesn't seem to be like a high level of standardization, at mm-hmm. least um from, from my experience. Mm-hmm. So it depends on the IP owner. Um I'm generally seeing a lot of, like, fairly final assets um, going in for IP approvals. But Mm. ideally, you'd get, like, quicker turnaround at earlier stages of, you know, of of the design process so that you can really um, speed up the the times to to get these assets out. And usually what what winds up happening is, like, um, you're going to have to... um, you're, you're going to have to develop your art assets in parallel and build a plan so that you've got enough time to like start building these mm-hmm. assets in parallel with the um, IP approval delay in, in mind.
0: Yeah, and and, and apparently just build up the process in terms of like what are the approval stages because yes. sending something that is already final for approval and then getting some feedback to change it, that's a lot of things, especially if they're asking you to decrease or increase the size of uh, let's sure. say a tool of the character then are you going into right. reweighing the the whole rig and then that yeah, affects yeah, and, it. And, and,
1: and these you know and, and and these approval processes you know to you know are, are not standard um, yeah. I, I think there are some IPS where there is like you know working with Marvel, they've been doing it forever mm-hmm. um, I I think um, you know um, I think working with with a company like that an IP like that that's pretty mature mm-hmm. and where they've done a lot of it, it it's it's I think it's a lot easier, but certainly when you're working with um, other IP which hasn't been licensed out yeah, a lot, yeah. and where, you know, the IP owners are um, don't have the experience or haven't defined the processes, then there's there's usually a bit of of iteration and and sort of wasted time unless you plan as much ahead of time as possible.
0: Yeah, so def- definitely the developer needs to be proactive as well in setting sure. up the process yep. so that. Yeah, so that they can cater not only to their internal development speed, but also to the approval process, and right. and as much as possible, putting in those checkups in between, because nobody wants to be redoing done assets, like right, right, right. like taking that element <laughs> out of the Scrum board where it's done <laughs> and putting it back into design. Yeah. That <laughs> exactly, is horrible. Exactly. That's like, oh, we just added three weeks <laughs> of work. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 an important element. Um, so,
1: yeah, but uh, the flip side of that. And, and working with an IP, though, is like, um, you know, so, so there's delays with respect to IP approvals, mm-hmm. but there's also production advantages, right? Mm-hmm. Like, especially for, you know, when, when you're, you know, when you're working with an IP with a lot of characters and let's say you've got a game with, um, you know, uh, where, where you're doing a, like character gotcha and need a lot of characters, you know, like to develop your own, you know, um, you, your own set of characters is 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 going to take you quite a long time. Yeah. So, um, you know, just just thinking in terms of like back of the envelope calculation, like, you know, if you're working with the Marvel roster where they've got thousands of characters, um, if you're if you've got a game with um, deep character gotcha, let's say you need a minimum of 150 characters, and each character takes like two weeks to design. I mean, you're you're talking about you know like. 75 man months of savings in terms of character design. So um, certainly, like you know, the 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 um, the con is the IP approval delay, and sort of the pro mm-hmm. is like you know, um, existing designs. And um, generally, IP owners will also have assets like mm-hmm. you know, 2D, 3D models, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, flat creatives, things like that that um, they can they can potentially provide to the developer to also save time as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely true. I I have some experience in trying to come up with your own ideas <laughs> <laughs> and t- just realize, while, right? <laughs> yeah, it takes a while to be, um, takes a while to be unique because right, <laughs> right, right. like everything has been designed so yeah. many times. And you end up kind of going through the DC Comics or the Marvel yeah. Comics roster like, yeah. ah, maybe this guy, <laughs> but change him to be yeah. like this guy. <laughs> yeah,
1: because they're, they're not only designed, but they're designed and tested. right? Yes. Yeah, so. and,
0: and everything about them is so, I mean, it, yeah. it is so good. Like right. the color schemes that they have that kind of portray right. the uh, the archetypes that they they put forward. The, um, right. the character that they have. Like I remember yeah. there was a, there's a DC comic character called, I don't know if he's called boomerang or something like that. He's like yeah. an Australian guy yeah, with yeah, a boomerang. Yeah. Right. It's like that is awesome, yeah. <laughs> and nobody knows that type of per- that that character. I mean, yeah. some people do. Are hardcore fans? So there's like the depth of the roster is is incredible, right. and 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 definitely working with those is, is, is exciting. But um, we talked so we talked about the uh, the production. And, and one of the key elements of production, as we know, is, like, once you, you know, you have your initial idea, you go through your pre-production, and then you start going into production, you start making all those details happen, and then you start running to the walls of the UX. Like, oh, we did this slightly different. This means we need to have a different UI. Okay, we have a little ca- different camera angle. We need to do this. We need to yep. do that. So, so, in your opinion, uh, how much new should be you doing with an IP because you're already working with an IP and unless you're Ludia who has ton of experience in working with IPs, unless you have that experience, should be you be working on a new type of game, like innovating on the genre or combining genres or should you be working on a proven game idea and boosting it with an IP?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, just my, my general preference is always to have um, more innovation but certainly, you know, as we talked about uh, you know one of the benefits of IP is is being able to um, you know um, help differentiate your game. I, I would say that um, you know if if you're trying to if if the strategy is is fast follow with IP I, I would probably put most of the emphasis on doing things relatively the same and mm-hmm. maybe you know uh, a lesser amount, let's say twenty percent on 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 the innovation.
0: Yeah, just to keep the um, the risks in check basically.
1: Yeah, well, if that's the play, if if the play is, uh, hey, let's 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 fast follow, mm-hmm. um, and let's use, um, you know, production value and IP as our key differentiators.
0: So when pitching to an IP, how important it is to showcase that you're coming in with something totally new versus that you're coming in with something that is very proven.
1: I think it depends on the IP and it mm-hmm. depends on the IP owner. So, um, you know, just as a, um, you know, uh, just as an example, I would say, you know, you ha- we haven't seen a lot of. Um, you know minions based games i mean there's like minions run and then there was, you know there there've been
0: there was like the heyday versions of minions
1: yeah there was that uh the ea game yeah, yeah, uh yeah. minion paradise i believe it was yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's but true. since i mean since then we haven't seen a lot because I, I i do believe you know the the ip owner wants something that's very fresh unique mm-hmm. innovative um but uh, you know I would say that um, that for other IPs you know the IP owner may be really thinking more about, especially if' it's, it's, if it's on a licensing mm-hmm. basis um, and not thinking so much about I mean th- their focus may be more about revenue, right mm-hmm. So like how can we take something proven and, and generate as much money as possible from, from the IP? Mm. Um, and I would say that's probably you know uh, my guess would be that's that's Probably the more general case where mm. you know um, IP owners are thinking, well, we've got this IP, let's let's figure out how to maximize the revenue. But again, it you know um, there there are all other cases where the IP owners really care more about innovation and uniqueness as well.
0: Yeah, my personal experience with working or pitching to an IP has been that they they are conservative. Um, yeah. They they are not looking because, and I understand this totally because they are not looking to get that next bust of the year Uh award where you ship something (laughs) with your ip and nobody really plays it because it was like yeah too weird yeah but at the same time um they're not asking you to copy directly like you in my experience i've I've pitched and and worked with a few big ips uh but what they are really looking for is like you know what you're doing so that that means like you're doing something that already kind of exists yeah but you cater to the unique preferences of that ip mm-hmm. so let's say if it's a game of thrones you are expected to have violence you're expected to have yep. permadeath yep. if you come up with a permadeath like yeah, yeah we're gonna do like this but there's gonna be a permadeath yeah. they're gonna be yes exactly this is you're expected to have uh, a lot more sort of intrigues and conniving right. and that kind of, those kind of elements so when right. you're doing that pitch you really need to emphasize those elements and usually right. ip holder kind of puts in the key elements of their IP. Yeah. Uh, like in Walking Dead, one of the key elements is like the zombies are not the the scary ones. They're not the ones you're afraid of. The other people are the ones you're afraid of. So that's yeah. that's kind of like they're, they're one of the key premises that is in the TV show, and you need to understand that. Yeah. And when you put that forward in your game designs and you really cater to it, 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 it tends to work. Okay. So um, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's, that's <laughs> my personal opinion. No, I agree. Um. So let's let's um let's ask just a final question, and that that is like let's say you're in in the um. Or when let's put it this way, so people are coming and talk to you about IP, about yep. working together with an IP. What are you looking for? Like, what is what are, what are you looking for in your role when you're talking to studios, and and what are what are the kind of like a key elements? That 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 needs to pop out and, and that needs to be emphasized and so forth. Uh,
1: well, I mean, I, I think it um you know go, goes back to you know the the IP itself. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, if it's something like like Minions, uh, I I think the the key things I would be um, looking for would be things like you know the the amount of innovation, uniqueness, um you know the quality, mm-hmm. um you know for for other IP, um uh, you know uh. You know, I don't, I don't want to speak on behalf of NBCUnitial, yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, I, I would say, you know, uh, the the business side of me would be looking for the revenue. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. And that's that, that's the yeah, proven yeah. element of it. Right, 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 for sure. Um, and so, like, you know, um, in, in terms of, like, the the gameplay design and the systems, is, is there something solid there? And, um, you know, to, to, to the points that we made earlier in terms of, like, the gameplay fit with the fiction and the audience and um, in terms of the... Um, the match of the systems to to that audience, the systems of monetization design to the audience. That's sort of mm-hmm. the things that I would be looking for as well.
0: How important are the uh, the studio's capabilities for live operations, as well as the studio's um, size? And you know, the size in the sense that w- you have to work with the IP holder as well. And so. It can be a micro studio because they probably won't have time to go through the approval, through go through the biz dev elements and so forth.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think you know, increasingly, uh, you know, live ops is critical, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, uh, all mobile games are kind of moving in that direction, so um, that that certainly is something that's going to be very important. Um, and in terms of the size of this of, of the studio, I, you know, I. Personally, I'm not super concerned so long as, like, you know, we we take into account things like the um, IP approval time, mm-hmm. um, and and um, you know, I I feel like when we're talking about size, it would also depend on, on the play. So mm-hmm. like, if we're attacking a big existing category, and let's say that the basis of competition is the IP and the production value. So like, you know, if you look at, you know. Um, strike marvel strike force mm-hmm. or i mean because they're competing or 4x games yeah because and, and if you're competing against production value you're you're seeing the bigger teams there right you're, you're seeing like um a, a lot of the bigger teams that are going to really make you know um big games of super high production mm-hmm. value um and, and uh and and so in from that sense that that's important but you know um Certainly, I, I think that, you know, when you look at a lot of the dev studios here in Finland, you've got excellent teams, but, um, you know, they're, they're certainly a lot smaller, yeah. right? Um, so 10 or less, um, and they've got excellent quality. So, um, so you know, I so, again, like, I don't necessarily think about the size of the studio specifically, but mm-hmm. depending on the situation, like, if you're telling me, hey, we're going to make a... Um, uh, uh, <laughs> yeah we're gonna make this awesome big game in our you know we've got you know five guys then i'd be like hmm i, I, I don't know <laughs> um you know is this coming out in three years <laughs> yeah yeah it's like you you yeah. want to believe in magic but <laughs> you know yeah um
0: okay and um and kind of like the last question like we're working with let's say like big ip holders like nbc or others okay. and i believe you guys have Uh, a a publishing studio so does that mean that you support also in user acquisition so that the team can be pretty small and they don't have to worry about that side because you have analytics you have the product and you have
1: yeah for sure you know and I I think that um, you know user acquisition um, I think we're seeing become increasingly important Mm -hmm. and um, increasingly you know well important to the success of the game um, and uh, I, I think that's what um, you know um, a, a publisher IP owner like NBC Universal would would bring is like you know um, experience um, with you know experience having a team that's done a lot of user acquisition as well as like having access to a lot of data right mm-hmm. so when we're talking about some of the new um, Machine learning based bidding methods through Facebook or Google. Um, you know, having the more access to data you have, the the stronger position you're in. Yeah. And NBC Universal in particular has a lot of, um, you know, uh, has a lot of media assets as well as user data. Um, and you know the, you know the amount of data that we can use. Um, certainly, we we need to be careful about, but yeah, um, it definitely can provide a pretty major competitive advantage.
0: That's awesome. I think that's. I think we've covered almost everything. Okay. Uh, as the last part, <laughs> I think it's important to let people know how can they get a hold of you.
1: Uh yeah, I mean you know, you can certainly email me. Uh,
0: I'll put the link into the description of okay. the podcast as well as on the website. So awesome. Prepared to get some e- <laughs> emails and talk more <laughs> about publishing, and I believe NBC is looking for some talent as well.
1: Uh yeah yeah so um definitely looking for uh. P.M.s in, in particular. Uh, we'll what pro- kind
0: of P.M.s so like uh, what are you that, looking that, for? Yeah.
1: yeah. So that I mean, that's probably a uh, another podcast. in yeah. itself. But okay. <laughs> just generally, I, let, let's just say P.M.s. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll probably try to build out our user acquisition team in, in the near term future as well.
0: That's awesome. That's great. Thank you so much for coming.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: Let's get outside to the sun. All right. <laughs> and that's a wrap. I hope you folks enjoy listening to the podcast as much as I enjoyed recording it. As always, leave your comments on the blog, tweet at us, and we'll make sure to answer to the best of our capabilities. I hope you subscribe to the podcast. I hope you subscribe to the blog. And I hope you have a great day. Till later.